Well, good morning again, everybody. If you remember last week, we're going to continue going on through First uh, Thessalonians here. And um, if you've been to a funeral that I have done, you will have heard this passage of Scripture. I like it for funerals that talks about the hope that we have. But if you remember, we've been walking through First Thessalonians, and last week, just to bring it to your memories again, we talked about how to the will of God for your life and the general will of God for your life. Everybody has a specific will of God that is specific to them, but there's also a general will of God that is over every single person who is a Christian. And if you remember right, we talked about how it's to, to avoid lust. We said, you know, the Bible, it's the only sin in the Bible that God says run, run from it. Don't try to fight it, run from it. And then we talked about sanctification, and that whole, what that looks like and everything like that, and how to live a life towards the people around you. If remember, we talked about how you'll never be able to walk in the specific will of God for your life if you're not walking in the general will of God for your life. That plays in and falls into what we're talking about today. Uh, and the, the title of this one is The Blessed, the blessed Hope. Uh, it's what we call the rapture. There's many words for it that we, that we could use terminologies, but it's essentially when Christ not comes back to the earth, you'll notice we'll talk about that, Christ does not come back to the earth, he's in the sky, and we go up to him. He comes back to the earth, and there's going to be a whole lot more bloodshed. That happens later in Revelation. But we're going to talk about that today, we're not, not the part in Revelation, we're going to talk about the blessed hope today, our hope and what it is. So let's read it. We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the second part, verses 13 through 18. It reads, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Number one on your note sheet there, grieve with hope. Grieve. With hope, It's something that I say all the time when I'm talking to somebody who, who has had the passing of a loved one or really anything like that. I say, listen, the Bible doesn't tell you not to grieve. Read through the Psalms. It seems like half of them, David is pouring out his heart in grieving for something. Read throughout the scriptures. People, it, listen, they lived in the same world we do. Bad things still happened to them just as they do to us today. The Bible never says, don't be sorrowful, don't be sad, don't grieve. What it says, though, is don't grieve like those around you who have no hope. It's kind of not ironic because God's not really ironic, but he knows what he's doing. And over the past month and a half or so, I've been to f three or four different funerals. And it amazes me as I sit there, sometimes I'm standing up here, sometimes I'm sitting in the pew, whatever it be, and I see the people who grieve, and you can tell those who have hope and those who don't. The people who have hope are the ones who might have a tear in the eye, but they're laughing because they're remembering, and they're going, you know what, he or she, they're in a, 
They're in a better place. They're in heaven now. And I'll see them again one day because I'm going there too. And then there's other people who are just, they're distraught. There's no consoling them because they think their loved one is gone. There's no seeing them again. There's no nothing. They're gone forever. And you know what? If they're not a Christian, they won't see their loved one again. Well, you might. Depends on how your view on hell. But either way, you're going to be too busy being tormented to really care about your loved one at that point. And it's amazing to me to watch this. And, and as I was sitting there at the, at the few funerals that I've been to, I was grieved in my heart because I'm going, these are the people we need to reach. Because they have no hope. They're going to go home tonight. Maybe they'll get drunk. Maybe they'll get angry. Maybe they'll get high. Who knows? They're going to find something to try to fill the void. And Jesus is the one that's supposed to be filling that void. So grieve, but not like somebody who has no hope. Because you have hope, a blessed hope. And here's the thing, Paul continues on, and he doesn't just leave it at grieve like those who have no hope, or don't grieve like those who have no hope. He says, listen, let me tell you what your hope is. Let me show you what the hope is that you have, so that you don't have to go, well, yes, I have hope. I don't know in what, but I have hope. No, 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 no. He continues on. Number two, so number one there was grieve with hope. Number two is the order. The order. Because there is an order of events for the rapture. Now it happens in the twinkling of an eye. So it's not like, that's even less than a blink. It's not like, oh, the dead in Christ rise first and then a few days later we get to go. No, it's almost instantaneous. But there is still an order that it will take. And he, he reads it out there. In those next couple of verses. So the first thing that happens is Christ himself, it says, the Lord himself, and that's uppercase L, but then lowercase O-R-D, which in scripture generally refers to Jesus. All capitals generally refers to God the Father. That is what we, the all capitals word, in case you wanted to know. The all capitals Lord is generally our translation for Yahweh. Just so that you know, that's how our Bible translates Yahweh in the New Testament and such. So either way, Christ descends from heaven, not all the way to the earth. He descends down into the clouds. Now, whether that's in the stratosphere or all of the other spheres, I, I haven't taken a science class in a long time. I don't know how far he comes down. Technically, he could hover a centimeter off the ground, and he would be in the clouds. So, I don't know. I tend to think it's way up there, but that's just how I picture it. So, Christ descends first. And I love this because it says, listen... Uh, I'm in verse 16, with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. I'm kind of hoping that one day, because I, I, no man knows, the Bible is clear that nobody knows when the rapture is. Looking at the times and everything like that, I think it's soon, although people have been saying that for about 2,000 years, so take it or leave it. But I personally believe I'm going to see the rapture. And I'm really hoping that I'm just going to be like sitting there eating something and all of a sudden, there's just this loud shout and a trumpet. And I'm like, what's that? And gone. I'm hoping, I'm kind of hoping I get to hear it. I think it would be cool if the whole world gets to hear it. And everybody's going, what is going on? And then people just start disappearing. Like that. I think that would be cool. I don't know if that's exactly what's going to happen. But I do know that the archangel is going to shout. And the archangel is Michael. Uh, we only have three angels named in scripture. Michael, the archangel. Gabriel, the messenger. He's the one that showed up to Mary and, and Joseph and such and a few other places in scripture. And then Lucifer, who became Satan. 
Those are the only three angels we have names for in Scripture. So Michael the archangel comes and he yells, and somebody blows a trumpet, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now you might be saying, Pastor, hold on a second. I thought to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Do these people that die, did my loved one who was a Christian die? Is, is he or she with Jesus? Yes, I believe that they are, because the soul is not the body. The soul goes to heaven. There's no such thing, and I'm, I'm, I apologize if this offends you a little bit, if you grew up Catholic or what. There is no such thing as purgatory. It doesn't exist. You're either here, you're in heaven, or you're in hell. And one day we'll talk about the differences between hell and the lake of fire, because they are different. The lake of fire is the ending place. Hell is kind of the holding place. It's still a place of torment but it's not quite as bad as the lake of fire yet. But you don't have to go somewhere else. You are either here or you are in eternity on either side. There's no holding place. There's no, well, we'll wait a little bit here until Jesus comes. No, that doesn't exist. So the soul goes to be with Christ. Your body does not, right? We've all seen the bodies. It'd be really weird. It'd be different if when somebody died, their body was just gone. Can you imagine that? Our whole system of everything would be completely different. The body is still there. And, and I, I got to be honest with you, as I was reading through this passage, I went, man, how do I explain what happens? And I read a whole bunch of commentaries and stuff like that, trying to say what happened. And here is the gist of what most scholars who are way smarter than me seem to believe happens. Your soul is with Jesus. Your body is not. It's going to be. And when the rapture, right before the rapture occurs, where we as living Christians are caught up, their bodies are caught up. I don't think we'll see it. But again, that would be really weird if I'm just sitting somewhere and boom, there's a body just rising through the air. That, that'd be kind of weird. Everyone would be freaking out again. Especially if you play it with the other things. So as you hear a loud shout, then there's a random trumpet, then a the body starts rising. Can you imagine the mayhem that'll happen at that point? But most scholars seem to believe that that is what will happen. The, that the bodies, the physical body, will be brought up to Christ. And then, once that has occurred, we're caught up. Now, I'm a big fan of the, uh, all I can think of is Lord of the Rings, and that is not, I'm a big fan of that, but that is not the book series I'm thinking of. Left Behind, there it is. I'm a big fan of Left Behind. It is mostly false, not inaccurate, but it's fiction. So, Will our bodies disappear and our clothes are left behind? I don't know. I try to wear clean underwear just in case. I don't know how it's going to look, but I have an idea, and it makes sense that your body will be gone. If the dead people's bodies are risen too, it makes sense that my body's gone too. It is not my perfect body. This is not my perfect body. I'm hoping that when I get to heaven and I get my perfected body, it's about six inches taller. doesn't have quite as much around the midsection. And my hairline is another three inches down where it was when I was in high school. But I don't know. But, but I, I, it makes sense to me that the body would be gone. I can't prove it. It's not a hill that anybody, I'm hoping, would ever die on. But I do know that I'm going to be caught up into heaven. Caught up into the clouds with God. And here's the great thing in my mind, right? So I'm terrified of heights. Absolutely terrified of heights. And i got to be honest, I've been trying to think of a way to work this story into this sermon. I really wanted it in here. My amazing girlfriend is so good to me in every way. 
And so for Valentine's Day, I asked her, what do you want? I, I can't buy you something really, but I will cook whatever you want. You pick, we'll do, you know, it'll be a great evening. She wanted breakfast, so I made her breakfast. She thought it was great, and she goes, can we go see a show? And I said, sure, let's go see a show. I don't dislike the theater, but I don't love it either. It is what it is. I do, however, really like comedies, and this was a show uh, called... Something, it's like something goes wrong at the theater, something like that. It's hilarious. It's a murder mystery, but the set keeps falling apart. People are forgetting. It's hilarious. Great. It was a great show. But my beautiful girlfriend, amazing girlfriend, forgot one very important detail about her boyfriend. He's terrified of heights. And she picked balcony seats that were about as high in the theater as you can get. Now... Now, I'm okay in like a sporting arena where there's not a ledge, where it's just steps that go down. I'm all right there. But when there's a ledge and a drop, that's a problem. So we get there, and she goes, we're in balcony C, yada, yada. I'm like, okay, here we go. And we get up to the top, and I grab the edge, and I go, mm -mm, nope. And she goes, what's wrong? What's wrong? I'm terrified of heights. So here we are. It was good. It was a great show. And as soon as the show started, it was fine because then I'm not paying attention to how high we are. But either way, so I say all of that to illustrate how terrified I am of heights. A six-foot ladder, my knees start shaking. I'm not going to be scared to be caught up in heaven into the clouds with Jesus. And if I am, man, that's going to be a trip. Let's play this out, right? So here I am eating my Frosted Flakes in the morning. There's a loud shout, there's a trumpet, and I see a body start rising, and I'm going to go, oh, crap. And then just shoo, straight up, and I'm just going to be yelling because here I am now. I don't want to be six feet in the air, and I'm going to be like 20,000 feet in the air. No, but I'm not going to be scared anymore. That's going to be wiped away. I'll be with Jesus, and so will you if you've accepted him. And those fears, they're gone. They won't matter. Everything won't matter anymore because you'll be with Jesus. And just as he came for me when I was five or six years old and accepted him in my heart, he's going to come for me again and take me home, just as he's going to do for you. And then I love the closing verse in this chapter, or not chapter, verse 18. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So number three there, comfort each other. Number one was grieve with hope. Number two was the order. Number three, comfort each other. Church, this world is harsh. It's painful. There is sorrow. There is pain. There is grieving. But there's comfort. You see, it can be really easy when you focus on the bad things, when you're focusing on the issues, to be downtrodden, to be discouraged, to be destroyed inside. But the greatest comfort you have is that it will end and you'll be with him. It's going to come to an end. Whether you die and are with him, or the rapture happens and you're with him, you're going to be with him. And we're supposed to comfort each other with that. When a loved one dies, comfort each other. When everything's going wrong, comfort each other. When it seems like you can't go on, you can't walk anymore, you can't take another step, comfort each other. Brother, sister, it's going to end. We will be with Jesus. He promised it, and he's promised a lot of things, and he's always come through. Why shouldn't he come through with this one too? Comfort one another with these words.
plays into the fact that you and I, as brothers and sisters in Christ, are supposed to be together, forming this, this body, this union, to build each other up, to support each other. Because there will be times when I look at you, and you're going to go, man, this life is so hard, and I'm going to say, I know. Jesus is coming, and he said he's coming quickly. He's coming. And there's going to be times when I'm just downtrodden, and you've got to look at me and say, Pastor, he's coming. There have been times, I'll even tell you over the past year and three quarters or so that I've been here, that I've been discouraged. And I go, man, I can't wait for it to be over. Not that I don't love you guys and love this place, but I want to go home. When I was younger, you know, 16, 17, 18, 15, that age range, I was like, I don't want the rapture. There's so much more to do in life. And then I graduated high school and got into the real world, and I went, all right, Jesus, whenever. Come on. Maranatha, come on, Jesus, come on. He's tarried a little longer. I still pray. Come on, Jesus. Let's go home. Let's take everybody. Let's go. You know, at 16, I was like, I just want to be married. At 25, I'm like, I'd like to be married, but Jesus, if you come, I ain't going to complain. I want to live on my own. Well, I've done that. That's not all it's cracked up to be. They start throwing bills at you. What is that? But comfort each other with these words. It is okay. In fact, it is biblical to long for the return of Christ. It does not mean you don't work while you're here. It does not mean that you don't do what you're supposed to do in the place God has put you to do it. But it is okay and a good thing to long for the return of Christ. To want it so desperately. I do. I hope you do too. Doesn't mean I don't want to take as many people with me as we go. I want to be able to be caught up in the clouds and after I've opened my eyes because I've shot up 20 feet or 2,000 feet, whatever, 20,000, that's what I said, 20,000 feet in like nanoseconds, I want to be able to open my eyes and be like, Bill, I didn't know you were going to be here. That's great. I'm hoping that we get to, I want to bring so many people with me and I'm hoping you do too. But in the end, you comfort each other with those words. He's coming. I know it seems like he's going to keep tarrying, but he's coming. I know he's coming. And that's your hope. To wrap it all up, that's your hope. We know that from, from Hebrews, right, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the belief in things unseen. There's that word again, hope. Hope means it hasn't happened yet. I hope I'm going to eat lunch today. It hasn't happened yet. I hope that when I go out, so do you. You hope that when you go out to your car and put the key in and turn it, it turns on. You don't think about it as hope, but you're hoping it does happen. If you're a parent, you're hoping that you raise your kids correctly, and when they go out into their own, you're hoping that they take the lessons you've taught them and continue on. Hope is something that hasn't happened yet. That's why it's called the blessed hope, because it hasn't come yet. It's coming. It's on its way. It might be, not that it wasn't now, dang it. But it might be, you never know. The only thing you're guaranteed is the moment you're in right now, but hope and comfort each other with the hope. When the person next to you is hopeless, give them some of yours. And when you're hopeless, don't be afraid to ask somebody to give you some. That's what we're here for. 
comforting each other with these words. Jesus is coming back. I wholeheartedly believe it. There's not a doubt in my mind. There's not a doubt in my mind that it's soon. So here's my two questions as we wrap it all up here in, in chapter 4. We only have a little bit left in Thessalonians, First Thessalonians, I should say. As we wrap it all up, this sermon, let me say this. Number one, do you have that hope? Can you truly hope that? I don't care if you've been in church for 40, 50, 60 years or half an hour. I don't care if you were taught everything, if you went to Awanas or this or that. I don't care. Do you have the hope? And then secondly, if you do have that hope, share it with everybody. They're going to think you're bonkers. Yep. You really think the all-powerful being is going to come down in the clouds and snatch you up. Yeah, I do. I can't wait for it. It's going to happen. I want you to come with me. You're crazy. A little bit. But not in this. Are you sharing that hope with the people around you? In your words, I always hated this saying. Now we're off on a tangent. I always hated this saying. Oh, crap. What was it? It just left. Oh, boy. Sometimes I feel old. I know I'm not, but sometimes I, I, I feel old. Oh, show love, and if necessary, use words. No. Use your words. Show it and use your words. You better be talking and showing it. Well, you talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? Yeah, you better be doing both. Share it with your actions. Share it with your words because it's their hope too. They're more hopeless than anybody. They need your hope. It's not your hope. You don't own it. They need Christ's hope, the blessed hope. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this morning again. Thank you that we can come together and talk and, and learn and, and just dive into your word. Father, I ask that... Uh, we would be comforted and that we would know to comfort each other with the blessed hope, with the, 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 the certainty of the rapture. And God, I ask that we would share it with everybody that we meet, everybody that we see. Yes, some of them, a lot of them are going to think we're off our rockers, but you know what? I'd rather be thought of as a lunatic and be in heaven than be thought of as a fun guy and be in hell. And I want to take as many people with me as I can. Father, I praise you. We praise you. And it's the name of your son we pray. Amen.